Good afternoon. Today is November 17th, 2014, the day of the Divine Mother's Mahasamadhi. On this day in 1973, I was in Bangalore with two friends who were working with me to collect plants for the Matrimonia Gardens. At five in the morning, <clears throat> someone shoved a newspaper under the door and there was the front page filled with the mother and it said, the mother of Sri Aurobindo Ashram has passed away. We wept and we wept. We got a taxi and came immediately to the ashram and joined the queue to see in the meditation room alcove the last of mother's body. During these early years of the Matrimandir and Oroville, when Mother sent me there in 1969, we had access to her at any time. We could go to her, we could write letters, and she would reply to us. <coughs> we felt her physical protection so clearly, even in those difficult early days of Oroville. And now she was gone. And yes, we all had physical mothers, but this was our mother. And we grieved. And I grieved especially because I felt that I had failed her. And so tonight, with my dear friend Alok Pandey, I have asked him to speak on the Holocaust of the Divine Mother. Let me touch upon a <clears throat> now a little distant experience, uh, physical experience interlaced with a subtle experience which is almost like the inverse of what many would have experienced in 1973, I'm sure. In 2000, when uh, my physical mother died, so the circumstances of her death and how she died, that's not the important part. That's important maybe for me but but then at that point of time my first impulse and I'm glad that I acted under that impulse was that I just informed my sister who was in the same city Bangalore and having told her that you come and handle this part I went straight to the Shorbindo center where the relics are there and I didn't know what I'm going to commune with the mother. Of course, the original thing is that I must offer everything. This is part of that. 
and I must offer this to her. <clears throat> Quite naturally, and I am sure everybody does it. But as I sat embracing the, it's a small little samadhi and embracing the samadhi and offering about my mother's physical departure, what happened next was very surprising. I heard very distinctly this whole sentence. Now I am your physical mother as well. And the impact of those words, I mean, I think all my life I cannot forget. At one level, it was very strange that as if the physical mother or our physical mothers in some way, at one level, they are a representation in our ignorance of that great truth of the Divine Mother. At another level, like everything else, all our physical ways of connecting with this manifold world becomes a veil for our true relation with the Divine. This, all this came in a flash. The sentence was only one. But all this flashed suddenly. That look, a veil has been removed and all that energy, all that love that I had pent in, you know, in her, invested in her, it got released and now it's all available for the Divine Mother. And at another level, that the physical body is just an instrument and truly the Divine acts without hands and feet. It's a concession given to the human ignorance. I am right now not touching upon the aspect of transformation of matter which at some other point. But the Divine is not limited to the instrument that He uses. Very often He, the instrument itself becomes as when Shurabindo left the body, withdrew from the physical scene, I would rather say that. When Mother was asked, she says He has become much more powerful. And the mother of the ashram on 17th November 1973 once again became the mother of the universe and all, she, she is the mother of the universe but for a certain special kind of work she had assumed a human form, never limited by that form. I am taking it from this point and you know moving on to the holocaust. Yes. Because this is a question very often people ask. <clears throat> Once somebody asked me this question, maybe I have shared it earlier, but it's worth remembering. Because as I was climbing up the stairs, this also thought came to me. What kind of an illusion we live in. So in one of the meetings, someone asked me that, well, now that Mother and Shobindo are gone, so what about the yoga and you know how, how do we proceed from here? So I threw a counter question. It was a group of about 60 persons. And I said, who among you will uh, say that Christ and Krishna are dead? Please raise your hands. It was a very abrupt question. And there was a silence. I said, no, I am being very honest. Because historically, that's the truth. Touch your heart and raise your hand, who believes that Christ and Krishna are dead. Now you know it's a paradox because sometimes a very, uh, you know, 
then we are hit that well is it really true it's true at one level it's not true at another level and then we discover a much deeper truth which her own physical body was concealing and nalinda speaks about it i think you touched it very beautifully passingly though and i would elaborate on that point that our relation with the mother both as human and divine remains completely intact totally dependent on our sincerity it was the same then it is the same now people who were near her still doubted and some who were blessed with a rare faith went through the same law holds true now but there is a difference and that's where i'm glad you touched upon it having a physical body means she could take upon her physical body many many things of the physical many events of the physical and she speaks about it when she speaks about impersonal impersonalization of the uh, body and then subsequently she makes a very interesting observation which is very very beautiful and it's very strange that just two days back somebody sent it to me i had read it and now you know it it's like a synchronicity of events yes. just as uh, this afternoon i was playing savitri music and uh, you know just as i am about to step out you know it stops with those two lines the great world mother by her sacrifice has made her soul the body of her state <laughs> i said what a beautiful line so on a physical body she speaks about it this impersonalization of matter and on a physical body when a hemorrhage was taking place elsewhere she would experience it within her yes and she contemplates at one point of time that well one can step into the new body it was ready and it was so easy for her to step into that and continue everything but why did she wait and there she reveals a great secret and i have never i mean when when i read it i feel what love what really love is she says but you know what to do with these cells many of them have the joy of participating yes. and many of them will be left behind i mean and many were transformed yes many were already transformed and that she says that they are spreading like a contagion yes that consciousness that infinity is thinking thinking is our human stupid word but well is thinking feeling attending to a single cell insignificant little cell and she says that well she must carry on till as many cells as possible could be transformed and we would read we would wait yes. every quarter yes to read notes to on read the way notes on the way on the transformation of the body yes my own understanding is that the transformation at one essential level was complete and she speaks about the new body she speaks so there are many hints about it impersonalization of the body consciousness etc etc but the mother carried it on to see to what extent tendencies deep rooted in matter which these cells had come to uphold and offer it was not just human beings offering to her or the gods and the titans and the animals 
and the formed world but even the cells were offering to her and she would attend to these cells and a point came when naturally some cells with a very strong effect or deep rooted inconscient which has to be just broken aside that she eventually dissolved they were left to dissolve that's how i understand but this act of love is what the holocaust is all about i mean um, this whole story which is there in indian myth and nalnida speaks about it you see divine mother has many forms in indian mythology and when shivanda speaks about the sacrifice of the purusha and the sacrifice of the divine mother he is referring to these uh, legends which carry a very deep truth and one story which is uh, at one level very grotesque and that's why you will hardly find any temple consecrated to that form of the divine mother is known as chinnamasta yes. the mother severs her own head it's perhaps in nepal there is one temple because it's very hard to even behold it now when we look at uh, the deeper sense and nalida has written about it yes what really is the old creation that too is her body what really is ignorant nature that too is herself and when she has to go on carry creation to the next step then when she breaks many elements of the old creation at one level she breaks her own body she is destroying her own body so that out of that a new body body of the world a new body for man a new body for earth can arise and the other story which is like a parallel to this is the sacrifice of sati which also shubindu alludes to in some of his earlier writings where she plunges into the fire and sacrifices herself she is dead and gone because the world on this side does not accept the presence of the eternal that's how you know dakshas whose rules have no place for you know uh, the lord now it's very interesting if you look deep inside all these rules these frames these systems theories philosophies cults ideologies all the various approaches if you look at it are on this side they may be very good and beautiful they may be totally the jungle rule of the jungle a life which is completely mechanized and driven by these frames it's a very comfortable life at one level because you know we have frames and we like it but what it misses is the touch of the infinite and that liberating touch can shatter all these in one moment now when i look at that you know people who have experienced even a little drop of the infinite know what it means it can completely upset the balance and the mother spoke about it in fact at one place he says um i was wondering this is there in her notes and champaklalji has spoken about it it's there even in her uh, uh, in the agenda but champaklalji has separately reproduced it that when superman comes armed with so much of power and so much of knowledge if they, if they fight <laughs> there is going to be a terrible confusion much more equipped than what ordinary man is so the urgency of getting rid of the ego element was so strong so she speaks about it 
So the divine, when he assumes a frame, whether it be the physical frame or frame of a society or a civilization or a culture, it is a big, big, big letdown for the divine. It's not an easy thing. It's a tremendous sacrifice by the very fact he assumes a frame because he is forever free. And the mother speaks about it. I belong to no nation, no civilization. <laughs> no, no country can say that, you know, she belongs to us. And we made her paradoxically the mother of this year Ashram. She who belongs to the whole world, whole creation. And that's necessary. It was a frame necessary for us yes. at some point of time to act. Yes. And B, because it's a frame. So everything, she limits herself by the frame, but she is born free. That was one of the two observations that Shurabindu made about the mother. That one, that nowhere had he seen this kind of an absolute self-giving. And then he adds with uh, a beautiful touch that perhaps only women are capable of this. And he says in Savitri, a conscious frame was here. Yes. A self-born force. Conscious frame. The very body is that. And then she, he says the other observation was that Mira was born free. She was never bound. Self-born. So this assumption of the human body which we call as birth. It's a very interesting thing. In Christianity also this concept is there. The feast of the great assumption. Which is supposed to redeem matter. Now this assumption of the human body is not for simply guiding a group of disciples. You know, we of course relate with the body and feel lost. But the truth of the divine and the guidance is always inner. But assumption of the body is for transformation of matter. And the mother reveals this secret that the divine limits himself so that transformation of matter can take place. Every avatar that has been the primary work. And the imprint that he leaves on matter stays. Even after he withdraws, it lingers as an influence for till the next avatar, next millennium. But the imprint stays. All the actions that have taken place while the divine assumed a human body, they have got imprinted and they will never be forgotten. Because of all the things, matter is the uh, one thing that remembers right when everything else you is forgets. And we have this example every day. I mean, mechanically we drive. Sometimes if you have to go to some other place, you just forget it because, uh, you know, matter remembers. Typing is about matter remembers. And where did this all start? And that's where Shubhinda, when he speaks of this sacrifice of the Divine Mother, he takes us right to that point of the origin of creation. Mother has spoken about this story. Where... All the energies which emerged to create, they were beautiful energies, beautiful beings. And yet, and that's the interesting part of the story, as they emerge, they go further and further and further, and at one point begin to believe that they are separate. And they are the masters. Now this one story has many deep you know, ramifications, we'll speak about it. And then they plunge into the darkness of inconscience and from there a cry comes and when a cry comes, the Divine Mother pours herself into creation. So this is the first act of sacrifice. And that which pours it, that power which pours itself into creation is the birth of love.
So when we look at this fall, if this fall did not take place, love would not have been born. And it was a fall into utter chaos and darkness and inconscience. And just to, you know, very often people feel bereft of hope because of such events. But when we look at the other side, that this first leap of the Divine Mother into the darkness of inconscience to rescue creation has carried dust right up to this point where there is a conscious thinking man. Those lines from Savitri. Yes. Yes. If in the blind void creation could rise and plants and flowers and trees and thought could leap up into the brain, already the soul peeps out through the flesh. Then you see the major of the distance has been covered. Now it's just one day, a little more. So this first sacrifice we see gets repeated with every avatar because once sacrifice is not enough, this act has to take place again and again. So that love assumes different forms and comes again into creation to carry it one notch further. Then creation stabilizes at that point, but this stabilized creation becomes also counterproductive to evolution. It's very interesting that even at a matter, material level, I'm sure, uh, of course, uh, um, pardon my physics knowledge, but, you know, when there is a great symmetry, there has to be a certain degree of asymmetry for new possibilities to emerge. You know, a perfect symmetry becomes, uh, you know, <laughs> antithetical. So, so in nature, when there is a perfect balance, it's very, very nice, very comfortable, very beautiful. But this perfect balance prevents the future balance to arise. So temporarily it is undone. And what does the avatar do? First, he, when he descends, the whole field is in a chaos because he breaks many of those things. We see it. Most characteristically in the stories of Krishna, all the avatars actually. So yes. Krishna comes and breaks the balance of earthly life. In fact, no norms. It's like a no holds barred at one level. Christ breaks the balance. Freedom, 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 unity and so much so that everybody around him is worried and concerned that what, what kind of a gospel is he bringing for people. We will lose our jobs, we will lose our kingdoms. We lose our hegemony. Money. Money. <laughs> Buddha comes. Freedom liberates from all the rituals in which the Vedvadins had fallen. Rama comes. Liberates that jungle rule in which, you know, jungle, the rule of the jungle and the Asura. Parshuram liberates that kind of a dark, violent, egoistic energies which are locked in struggle against each other. He destroys them totally. And by this, that destruction, he liberates that consciousness for the next level. So every avatar who comes, his work is twofold. One is a destruction of all that has to be destroyed. That's what the Gita speaks about the Vinashaya Chaduskrita. It's not just the people, but much more importantly, the tendencies they embody. And we spoke about that, that yes, yes. there's always a little bit of Hitler in everyone, a Taliban in everyone, which needs to be worked upon and destroyed. We don't acknowledge it. But every person who limits himself with a kind of a very narrow mindset is essentially or wants his stamp upon the world. And Sri says that in Savitri, take not that road, O Titan. You know, everyone who wants his own shadow to be stamped upon the world 
is essentially the same tendency but it's very subtle whereas hitler did it so crudely that it hit everybody's eye and you know people had to respond to it so sometimes the divine creates such extremes so every avatar actually is the repetition of the same act of sacrifice and quite naturally to assume a human body for that consciousness by the very fact is a great sacrifice shobindo speaks of that when he says in savitri or rather the mother says about savitri must have read it so one of the things he says is the effort of the divine mother to adapt to this world this creation full of falsehood and we have so many stories of the mother which speak of that she says at the age of i think 15 she says you know um, everybody was very you know they used to know that they knew that she is very different and she can behave in queer ways and they always used to be especially when guests are coming or people are coming be on tenter hooks that you know she may end up saying something or doing something which will uh, not be very pleasant so she describes an event which i feel is a very significant event you know all these are actions of the mother where she has broken the paradigms of the old world that some dignified person was coming and she describes that you know he had to be dressed well and everybody had to be dressed well and sit on the table with fork and spoon and the mother tells her look now don't go into one of your reveries and create a nuisance so mother says yes yes like uh, you know as we call it here sadhu bachcha yes yes i'll i'll be quietly eating decently <laughs> and he says as i was lifting the fork i looked at that man and she suddenly has a vision of all that is behind this so called good mannerism decent dress and she is able to see a whole world and she stops midway and everybody is embarrassed about it now we see in her life at every step she broke the frames and she brought in in that place more flexible more plastic structures this is one thing which we find repeatedly because she chose to be in that old frame and everywhere and she did it step by step but human beings cling to what was and this was a big challenge for her and we gave that example that when she came here if you see the old sadhak's photographs all in spotless whites and the ladies are all wearing sarees with you know all divine all divine how to widely look divine <laughs> be divine is difficult but looking divine is easy <laughs> so you know wearing all the and if you just look at these photographs you'll feel oh wow what a period <laughs> but when you read the letters you understand the same struggles same challenges same difficulties human consciousness is the same in fact many things have been taken away and then next what she does is too revolutionary suddenly to these ladies who are wearing these headgears all white she says wear shorts and shirts and come and walk with the boys march with them mother how can we you know we can't expose our legs and mother says why but they look so pretty you look so pretty your looks look so pretty do the same sports yes do the same sports everything you can do with the boys can do you know people don't recognize there are many things which mother has done 
which have gone unrecognized because we are focused only on you know few things like yoga or a will but look the feminist movement it starts with mother she talks about it during the war and she says that one of the offshoots of the first world war is a good offshoot is the feminist movement but it's being misunderstood and there is a right way to understand it she speaks about that and in the ashram she liberates women from everything from dependency on men from dependency on uh, you know belief in their own limitations everything a woman can do she doesn't need a man even children from parents even children from parents and that was a very challenging task yes. but step by step so first she welcomes them so the parents came with their children not knowing what they are in for even now they don't know <laughs> i must give a word of caution with a disclaimer <laughs> so when they put the children in the ashram school you know many of them very simple people oh ashram school they have lot of love for mother and shobindo so they feel as these children will grow they will all be experts in mantras and sanskrit will be doing from morning to night some kind of a you know worship <laughs> and these children outgrow every possible frame because they live in that freedom and the beauty is then she leaves them free now what you want to fill this with up to you you can fill it with the same old stupid consciousness your choice many choose it or you can fill it with something totally new they are freed from everything they are freed from their parent they are freed from the past they are freed from religion they are freed from cultural traps yes. everything they, it's amazing but as we know that it can be very dangerous freedom comes with a big responsibility and well that's the choice of the soul there the divine doesn't interfere and that's where i think the mother's physical withdrawal has a still deeper significance in the gita they say that you know when krishna speaks about the divine birth he says janma karma ch me divyam my births and my works are divine so this is half truth because krishna gave this truth before he had left the body so shurvindo adds one step says my birth and my works are divine but my death too is divine you know looking at shurvindo's passing yes. many wondered in fact shrinivas anger writes this way oh death where is your sting yes. many felt it's a victory over death paradoxically there is death but there is the body lying royally with that golden light seen by many refusing yes. to decay and degenerate arbind basu told me that the whole courtyard was filled with the golden eyes and then the question that why did he withdraw still precisely because he <clears throat> sacrificed the realization in his own body he could have at that point of time with that tremendous concentration just gone ahead but he sacrificed the realization so that the collective realization can be hastened and, and no one could understand no one could understand and that's why we see the mother's statements and yes. she speaks about the sublime sacrifice so even his death becomes divine and nirod baran at that moment of his passing just before he goes yeah. out to find another doctor yes and shri arbind says have you lost your mind man yes. <laughs> oh, and dr sanyal asks why did you call me 
if i had nothing to do because he was called all the way and then he asked mother shall i do this shall i do that mother said no so he says why did you call me he said just you be here wait and then he understands what it meant it was a grace to a him grace. not as a doctor but as a <laughs> disciple yes so yes. something far greater but in a sense something similar takes place when the mother withdraws and even before that she was preparing the disciples she writes in one of her diary notes in 58 then 62 she stopped interacting she says that i mean she was interacting but not at yeah. large there were the balcony darshans and there was few people who could go and she says that you know my children i believe that they have reached that point where they can progress my physical presence may not be needed she contemplates that in their midst so she was focusing after that she knew that the yoga is established on earth and nothing can take away that she knew that the supramental truth is upon earth and is bound to over a period of time shorter or longer is a question looking at from which side is bound to eventually create the supramental being but still she wanted to hasten that process and in that process she realized you see the physical presence of the divine can work both ways and at one point she says to you know some people i think it was padyodha he asked mother about bengal naturally he was attached and he he says mother bengal has been the place where swami vivekananda shri ramkrish paramanda paramans and raja ram mohan roy in many ways the renaissance of india in more recent times took place primarily in bengal you know it was the land of shakti uh, right from raja ram mohan roy where you know evolution of sati and even raja ram mohan roy came to shirobindo in one of his uh, automatic writings uh, kesab chandra sen and many other yogis came down here and of course culminating in the grand phenomena of uh, shri ramakrishna and then shirobindo but you see the bengal totally under the influence of the red and you know communism and going yes, down even yes. now it's uh, still reeling under those effects so mother said that well what can i do if bengal has chosen to turn away from shirobindo so then he said mother but you are here you know what mother said she says yes but now i have given the charge to the supramental and it is a truth consciousness it is not going to you know <laughs> which was so significant that she would like a mother shield 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 all the blows she will take upon her physical body but then the more she took the more humanity took it for granted that well we can do anything and get away with everything you know it's very difficult to live near the divine we have stories in indian mythology great asuras ravana who blessed by shiva believed that he can do anything and everything and he had all the powers from shiva which he started misusing yes, yes. we have story of bhasma suru wanted to burn shiva himself so this staying near the divine and the physical body which is a shield she would not allow because this is a instinct if i may use uh, in the highest sense of the motherhood and she was taking upon herself recently i was reading this question about sexual relationships and the divine mother's presence so the sadhaka asks with impunity 
what what's the big deal i mean what if i have sexual relationships mother says it won't make a difference perhaps to you but it will matter to the mother and it's so touching to read that little letter that it may not matter to you because she will take it upon herself she will bear the brunt and she took all this upon herself without you know telling she would once in a while tell but how little she revealed how much she was absorbing and then a time comes when the cells to a large extent are ready and prepared everything is assured the path is clear but now the very physical body which is absorbing all these shocks must now withdraw so that the unfolding can take place she tells udar to build an extra place in the samadhi for her yes yes and he shouts mother no yes she says udar and he does it yes. one word and that's why till the end even much later on he always had this impulse to dig the samadhi yeah so this is her what shall we say even the word sacrifice is doesn't make sense so all that we can say is that by this kind of a plunge and she says touching rock bottom she speaks about it number of experiences yes she purifies matter i remember <clears throat> if i can remember at the very bottom of the inconscient most hard and narrow and rigid and, and stifling i struck upon an almighty spring that cast me up forthwith into a luminous vast vibrating with the seeds of a new world and you know how that experience started this was the message she gave her i think 65 or 69 69 so this started when she was sitting with all these children this connects with what you know we were speaking about and all the people here in the ashram and she was wondering why are they so unconscious they are right here they should be the ones and she speaks about it in one of her talks that tell me how none of you came to know that such a event has taken place so she is wondering why why what is it in human nature which doesn't respond which simply tucks at the surface but is not able to connect with the depths and she entered into the consciousness or unconsciousness and then she says that i went deep 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 in fact she describes very physically that it was a physical action so much so that i my whole body slumped and i almost slipped out of the chair that's how she describes it she went deep into their unconsciousness and from that using the human instrument look how the divine works and sees she entered into the bedrock of inconscient that that's why so what is to be done well purify the cover inconscience itself is a mask and then the new world will spring out but she made another very interesting observation after that experience she says you know inconscience the original inconscience is not a big problem because it's not formed so you can do anything with it but when this inconscience takes the mental form in man it becomes very very rigid and that's where 
she speaks about that you know passage which is narrow stifling yes. it's the mental inconscient or the inconscient which is completely taking the human mind in its grip whereas light makes it vast and free and plastic whereas this inconscious makes it very narrow very rigid very uh, stifling pointed she describes it like jagged edges and that's the effect of the inconscient upon the human mind and that result we all know and that's why she says something very interesting following that uh, experience that it will be much easy to turn those who are simple flowers animals simple human beings they will be the first to respond christ the meek and the weak shall inherit the earth <laughs> but those who have worked upon themselves ah she says most difficult people <laughs> those who are doing so called sadhana because you know when we do it with the mind i mean there is a truth of sadhana very profound yes, word yes but what it becomes in the human mind is to a set of narrow rules universally applicable we have to make rules and as we grow we have to keep you know they change and adapt till you arrive at freedom but you know they turn into a very narrow set of understanding of life and that's where when even her words for a long time mother would not speak and she has that experience of sakyamuni buddha that don't you see my words have been misunderstood people have made a philosophy of nirvana whereas i refused nirvana they didn't take the compassion part of it they didn't take the eightfold path they made a technique of meditation into nirvana that's not what buddha is about buddha is a mighty warrior as he says tramples over desire and egoism he he is a fighter actually that's how we can release that power that you know in bamiyan uh, in in afghanistan i had this experience when you know the taliban destroyed the bamiyan buddha you know the buddha's huge statue was there carved in the mountain and at that point of time i even mentioned to some people you know they are calling destruction upon themselves a very unwitting act because the power of silence and immobility it's not the gandhian non violence which is absurdity but the power of immobility the power of silence how should been though that stone throwing incidents many other things so this power of immobility and silence which holds within itself an omnipotence but what his words came to be understood yeah. weakness cowardice world negating going away from this creation same thing with mother's words and that's why should be the cautions he says even people have asked things about prayer they use logic and ask mother has written this therefore and therefore and therefore and shubhendra says do you think that the mother was writing a prayers to formulate a set of rules applicable for all times for everybody and then he says these words are a means to enter into a certain state of consciousness and that she cautions so i think that mother had long back done the the new world was already born as we know that she corrected that prayer yeah. and wrote that things that were promised are fulfilled yes. not shall be fulfilled or fulfilled super minded descended then she went further 
carried the yoga even brought down the love and ananda into this world which is like a seed it's way way ahead and then she carried the physical transformation to a utmost possible limit the yoga is intact everything is intact but then in the total wisdom she is withdrawn just a little behind as nalnida puts yes, it yes so that we make a little effort yes. and i am reminded of this thing similar thing you know when people try to sometimes over simplify shurbindo you know it can be very dangerous because shurbindo could over simplify himself <laughs> but why he did not do it because he wants us to strain a little bit i had this issue you know just started editing all india magazine so ah, someone yes. someone was mentioning you know shubhendu is very difficult so let's you know keep him out as much as possible <laughs> i said this is not a solution this is more adding to the problem that means never read shubhendu you are actually saying because he is difficult never read shubhendu it amounts to that not saying in so many words on the contrary by reading the difficulty gets solved and what is difficult today will become easier tomorrow because these words have a consciousness and shubhendu has deliberately and of course we know that because he had to express the total truth that's why the sentences are long and rounded but when we read it it helps our consciousness to grow but if you reduce it to you know some fixed formulas then the consciousness remains in the same comfort zone so mother's withdrawal had this big impact that the yoga became generalized and we see that it's after that and soon after oroville so i suppose that oroville's creation was a very important event soon after that the the last step that the yoga will become independent of all frames including frames of institutions and this my own feeling that yoga as of today is independent of all frames now this should not be understood as a one sided truth that that means ashram has no relevance it has a relevance as long as there is samadhi as long as there is the rooms of mother and shivindo ashram will always be relevant and mother said as long as there are people who people will practice the integral, integral yoga, yoga it will remain because it has it creates a field but its relevance is not exactly the same as those days where people would come to the ashram and do yoga because now yoga is going on everywhere and there are people who are walking the path in so many ways so yoga has become generalized this becomes as shubindo you know prophetically said the place of central influence where people come receive the touch charge their batteries and go back and we've spoken about the children before yes but one thing i'd like to touch on with you that mother when mother tells satprem that the cells that she has transformed by a vast contagion yes will spread out to those who are ready yeah this is what in fact i was referring to in the very beginning she says that why she is carrying it on one is that these cells are aspiring and just as she cannot disappoint human beings so you know love her she cannot just just because the transformed body is ready step into it and discard it so she wants to carry as many as possible you know they are also saying mother 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 take us also take us also so she is working and second she says that because of the impersonalization which has already taken place so whatever happens in her cells is getting 
by contagion spread into other cells all over the universe. Yes. So that is where and that follows the experience of impersonalization which I think was if I am not mistaken it's after 62 maybe 63 this experience of impersonalization of the cells because 62 was that where she experiences the yoga of the world she becomes love uh, even at the material level and then this impersonalization and then she says that these cells by contagion are spreading upon earth and this contagion mind you is not not to do with a geographical proximity well it has its meaning like you know i have seen personally wherever shobindu's relics are there it's something becomes a very special place but on the other side it also requires a certain kind of inner tuning so if our bodies can be attuned to the divine the transformation can take place it's very interesting that this secret is also partly touched upon in uh, you know this uh, indian scripture called bhagavat and shobindu has said that it's a very profound occult scripture and the mother has also appreciated she has said they were seers you know there is a very interesting episode there where radha who personified full surrender she reaches a point where she says in every atom now krishna is established so i can't say now you know there is any difference between me and him because as far as it was consciousness i could still say that at least physically i am different you know this thing about physical transformation it's amazing says but now in every cell and every atom krishna is there so i can't say it's my body because it's also krishna's body so i suppose this effort has been tried by every avatar but naturally uh, neither humanity was ready the world was not ready perhaps it is still not ready as he said but this time she has done it wholesale plunging into the very inconscient to root out every possible resistance and every possible block as an individual perhaps it has been tried but the full success of the endeavor waited the divine mother's advent and um, this contagion with which you spoke about it spreading upon earth Uh, my feeling is uh, yoga is bursting all seams all possible uh, you know our ifs and buts and maybe may not be and the coming generations are going to be lot lot more steeped into it many questions we still raise because we are still in close proximity to 1973 but 100 years down the line or 50 years down the line maybe even 20 years down the line this will not be so one small little example maybe you know that could be a good point to pause one was when um, i think it was sara amal kiran's uh, wife yes <clears throat> and of course we know that she had an experience of mother coming you know she was she wept a lot and this was soon after 17 november but she had this uncanny knack of you know uh, truth vision and truth audition had opened in her and this was confirmed by mother so it was not just one of those odd experiences which people have and we don't know their validity and as she was climbing up to visit the mother's room on 17th november 1974 
and it's there in Amal Kiran's book, Mother, The Mother, Past, Present, Future. See, here's a voice. Now, I am no more confined to my room. I am everywhere. An experience which many others had. So I think she did what she had to do with the matter. And now the yoga is liberated and gone far. And more and more people are going to come. I see today's generation, they experience it like this. Yes. I remember that many years back when I was listening to some uh, old ashram inmate who had been here and naturally, you know, it's but natural to speak about the mother and you know, he kept using a word when mother was there, when mother was there. It would hurt me like a jolt. <laughs> so at some point, I couldn't resist and I spoke out. I said, you know, you are recounting beautiful things, but please do not say when mother was there. Yes, yes. Now, he did not have this side of the yes. experience. For him, it was a yeah. sharp contrast. And it's true. This not to deny that experience. But I said, you know, for us who have not seen her physically, so to say, she was, she is, and she will always be there. So we are, in that sense, very blessed because we have not experienced. I mean, I understand the pain that when the physical withdrawal takes place, you know, there is a story. And when you're young, too. Any, any age, any age. I'll, I'll tell you this story of uh, Amir Khusro. You know, just this comes to my mind. Uh, his uh, guru was Hazrat Nizamuddin, you know, on the, the railway station named in Delhi, and a great master. And when, and he was very beautiful, handsome man, and a tremendous guru, genuine guru, not like, you know, many of these uh, pseudo-gurus. So when he withdrew, his body was lying in state and his long hairs over his, flowing over his body. Then Amir Khusro is known for writing very interesting couplets which had a double meaning at one level they could be applied physically at another level they were profound spiritual truths and that time most of these sufis did this because they were afraid of the mainstream islam which would otherwise uh, you know chop them and do all these things so the couplet was uh, you know he says gori soi sage par mukh bikhraye kes chal khusro ghar aapne abrena bhai videsh so it translates like that, that the most beautiful and handsome of all is lying uh, on, you know, uh, with all her hairs flowing around her, the beloved. Oh, Khusro, let's now quit this place. It's no more ours because it was always a foreign land and now it is night here. So let's go back to our place. You know, it can be an intense emotion when the master withdraws. I mean, I don't think any loss can ever be comparable. So this is not to, uh, you know, in any way belittle that sense. I can understand what I would have gone through or would go through under a similar, because I cannot imagine at this point of time having not seen her. And I'm sure it's true of all of us. We cannot imagine a moment in our life without mother's presence. I mean, it's even to think about it is like unimaginable. So what it would have meant when the physical support suddenly is withdrawn? It's true. But then there is the other side of the truth. And that truth is, she was, she is, 
she will always be there. She was never limited to the body. She assumed the body, assumed the human birth to pass through the portals of death, birth which is a death. The very act of birth for the divine is a death because he enters the domain of death, the domain of unconsciousness. And she says that to one of, to the to in, in agenda. She says, you know, people think that Shurabindo has gone all this. She says, you know, they have no clue. And then she speaks about the consciousness of immortality, which she had way back. And she says, you know, often me and Shurabindo, when we go into that state, this is after 1950, and we enter into that state of, uh, anyways, agenda is after that. She says, when I enter with him into that state of boundlessness. Yes. So, and she speaks of us going to the samadhi. Yes. She says, speak to Sri Yes. To tell him. Yes. Tell and him. she would listen. Not only that. Yes. The mother, what an identity. Yes. Somebody speaks at the samadhi to the mother. Mother is in his room. Shurabindo is there in the samadhi. Look the identity. Yes. And the mother would respond. She knows everything. Yes. Yes. She knows that, you know, uh, so and so came at night and, you know, spoke at the samadhi. I already know it because he had said. So now she is much more freely available to all, unlimited, limitless, infinite, with the same love. And we can approach her just as Nadnidha's vision was there in exactly the same way as a human mother and a divine mother. And the beauty of the incarnation is that he fuses the two together, brings that infinity close to our hearts, becomes us so that we can become like her. And that's why this sacrifice, a mutual debt, binds man, man to the supreme. supreme. His human portion, his we, na must, his nature we must put on, as he, he put, put ours, his human portion, portion we, must we must grow, grow divine. divine. This oh. transfiguration is earth's due to heaven. heaven. And she speaks in one of her prayers about the debt that she comes to pay for earth. Our life is a paradox with God, with God for, key. for key.